LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. I'm your host, Chris Swain, here with Robbie Gallaty, the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church, founder and president of Replicate Ministries. Today on the podcast, we are back talking about a topic. We, we talked about it a little bit before. We actually got to the end of the podcast because our, our podcasts are a, a very well thought out 20 minutes. Right. Maybe and, 15 and the, before we start. by well thought out, we often go over. That's right. <laughs> we often have to do a part two, yeah. sometimes even a part three. That's good, though. And that is good because we want to make sure that you get all the information versus, you know, being a slave to a time slot. Right. And we this is a relevant that. topic, though. This and is this a topic. Is a very relevant topic. I get text or emailed about all the time, Chris. Exactly. So. And I've read some of those texts and emails. <laughs> right. And uh, some of them come from me. Some of them do come from you. Yes, you sent a few of those. <laughs> so what we want to do today is we want to continue our discussion about, uh, let's just use the term, unhitching ourselves from the Old Testament mm. and uh, going all in on the new because, uh, I guess, using the Old Testament or preaching the Old Testament or adhering to the Old Testament, uh, some might say, are not as fruitful for our ministry. Yep. And so what we want to do is continue. We, we, we left off last time we talked about this subject. And you talked about the term uh, fulfill or fill full, right. which is what it means. Not abolish, fi- fulfill. Not abolish, yeah. but fill full. And so we were talking about the language specifically because the language is important. Yeah. I've heard you say, I've heard Gus Hernandez say, language creates culture. Yeah. Words create worlds. Words create worlds. And the so world you live in. the words we use are critically important, especially when we have people listening to us and oftentimes as leaders following what we say. So it's yeah. probably important that we get those words uh, accurate. And so that's why let's let's just begin. Give us a little recap on how we got to uh, abolish and fulfill, and then let's go from there. Yeah, because, okay, let me just back up. Just, I think we need to say this again. I, I really appreciate w- what these different guys are doing today and, and their passion for reaching lost people. And, yes. and, and I think that's re- where a lot of this stems from. You have guys writing about, hey, let's let's detach, let's unhitch from the Old Testament because it's a stumbling block for people to accept Christ. And if, you know, how much Old Testament did you know when you got saved? Let's be honest. I mean, how much of the history of Israel did you know? We didn't know much, obviously. Sure. Uh, but, but, but what they're saying is let's just give them Jesus and let's yeah. just give them love. The challenge with that is, as Spurgeon said, as Calvin said, that the Old Testament law leads us to the cross, right? The Old Testament is the is the road by That's which right. we get to the cross. If we don't know anything about the old, how can we appreciate the new? Okay, so I, I get where they're coming from. They're saying, hey, let's get rid of the old. Let's just give people New Testament Jesus. But the problem is you can't disciple someone that way because that's not the way Jesus did it. And if we're going to take a page from the playbook of Jesus, Jesus constantly discipled people in the only yeah. testament he had. Paul discipled people in the only testament they had. you gotta understand easy the, the, easy well i'm just saying the, the canon wasn't created until so the fourth OT century only testament i think it does i think it does That's an, we're coining a new phrase well let me it's ask the you only question. testament Based in the on new that testament response, and let me ask this question okay why is the old testament 
uh, detachment from the New Testament. Why is that difficult for discipleship on the back end? In other words, once you are discipling someone, how can that separation? Yeah, that's a great question. So I'm going to start here and then we'll get to fulfill because this is the question. And here are the unintended consequences of saying to someone, listen, throw out three-fourths of the Bible, you don't need it. Detach yourself from that. Go straight to the Gospels. Find Jesus. That's all you need. Okay. Now, we would say you don't need Jesus plus. It's Jesus only. We get that. But here's the problem, Chris. The problem is when you throw something out on the front end, it is almost impossible to bring that back in on on the back end for discipleship. So if you have the New Testament for salvation on the front, it's almost impossible. Let me me give you an example. So I... uh, I coach my boys upward basketball teams, okay? Right. 10 and 8-year-old teams, okay? It's basically like herding cats. And people know it's you've ever- It's controlled chaos with it's, less It's control. absolute controlled chaos. If I can get them through the hour practice, teach them something about the Lord and kind of impactful, and then, you know, play basketball. But even at 8 years old, they want to win. Are your halftime speeches sermons? Or are they related to the game? Well, thankfully, well, not thankfully, but I, I get I get to only coach and I don't preach, so I have kind of that off. But it's at another church, so I don't. But it's just kind of cool. But the coaching is enough, believe me. The coaching now I do do the prayers and sometimes, okay, gotcha. but but that's on someone. I wondered if you were breaking down some expository sermons. Yeah, oh well, yeah, I'm these- teaching eight year olds why the Old Testament <laughs> is relevant. To understand, sorry, I got you off track. That's on me. My okay, bad. so here we go. So I'm coaching this basketball team, and they want to win. Okay, but let's say as the coach, the first day of practice, Riggs' ten year old team, I say, listen, I know you've heard that offense is good, but it's really irrelevant. Don't even worry about offense. Put the balls down. Don't shoot another pass. We're going to work on defense, boys. Defense wins. Everybody loves defense, right? You ever been in that defensive stance where it burns your knees because you're in a, like a squatted position? We're me, just going to no. do that. We're going to run suicides. We're going to learn the box and one. We're going to learn the the zone defense. We're going to learn man. And, I mean, you know, you know, so we're going to learn all of these different defenses. Okay. Well, uh, undoubtedly, somebody's going to say, hey, coach, when are we going to shoot? Don't worry, but don't ask that question again. That's irrelevant to this game. You don't need to shoot. When we go play the first game, the score is going to be low. I mean, the other team may only score two or two or four baskets, let's say. Right. Okay. But the problem with us is we're going to score zero. And the reason is, is because I've told them offense is irrelevant. Offense is abolished. You don't need offense in this game. Well, it's not going to take long before eventually parents are going to call and say, hey, uh, when are we going to learn some offense in this game? So down the season, I'm going to have to introduce something I disregarded on the front end, and it's going to be difficult or impossible to kind of recap that on the back end. Now, that's not the best example, but it's a good example to think about. When you tell someone at the moment of salvation, you you don't need anything in the past, throw out the Old Testament, it's all about Jesus, which it is, don't worry about reading about the past, throw out the yep. festivals, throw out the, the covenants, just give your life to Jesus and that's it, and, which is true. It's but, but the reality is when you tell somebody that, mm. now after they've become a Christian and they start asking questions like, why did Jesus have to be perfect? You ain't gonna find that in the new. Why he had to be perfect? Why? Why? Why were the sacrifices needed, and why was Jesus the once and for all sacrifice? You're right. not gonna find that in, in, much in the new. Obviously, Paul talks some about it, but you have to go back to the old yeah. to see this 
problem with sin in the garden. You have to see the covenant with Abraham. You have to see the destruction of the world with Noah and the covenant of God never to do this again. You have to understand the Mosaic covenant of, of a way that God yeah. gave human sinful men and women to have a relationship with him. Then you move to the Davidic covenant with David and then to the new covenant with Jeremiah. So, so you have to understand these things to really even appreciate the New and Testament. it's going to be a challenge to bring them in after you've kind of uh, set them aside. I'm telling you, and here's the problem. You wouldn't even read a book that way. Right. Like, like, here's my uh, book I wrote. And by the way, don't worry about pages 200, 100 to 265. Start on 266. It's going to be a great book from there on out. Well, let me, let me tell you a, a good example of this, and I never thought about it until literally just now. When I started ministry um, as an intern and then as a middle school minister and even up, up into being a just a student pastor, I pretty much preached and studied New Testament. Just because that's kind of it was easy, just to be frank. Yeah, you know, a lot e- of people do it's that. It's easy. And then as I uh, four or five years in my ministry, I began to listen to some guys, um, some names out there, name out there, Louis Giglio, who seemed to focus a lot on Old Testament mm. and uh, specifically some Isaiah, Jeremiah, and I just thought, man, this is incredible. Right. How this shows us who Christ is. And it's incredible. And I mean, it just expanded my faith. And I remember going in and beginning to study and preach out of the Old Testament and study the Old Testament more and just how it shined a light and made everything in the New Testament that I've already invested in so much bigger. Yeah. Well, I'll give you a perfect example. The New Testament, our bent toward the New Testament obviously is, you know, a love for Jesus and understanding who Jesus was and what Jesus came to do. But it's very Western in, in that sense, okay? Um, and i tell you how I learned this. I went to a, a retreat, a Hebraic renewal kind of uh, conference years ago. My roommate at the conference, uh, I went to a conference with Dr. Dwight Pryor, who's been a mentor of okay. mine, and it's uh, it was in Ohio. And my roommate was a Messianic Jewish believer in Jesus, okay? So okay. he was basically a completed Jew, born born and raised Jewish and realized Jesus is the Messiah who came to save him. Wow. Okay, so, so that was my roommate. I was chomping at the bit yeah. to hang with this guy. The poor guy couldn't get any sleep. It was the worst roommate for him. It was the best for me, okay? And I literally would ask him multiple questions about uh, Old and New Testament. Here's how I figured this out. We were in a, a study with uh, Dr. Pryor, and uh, he said, hey, does anyone know why Jesus' first miracle is turning water into wine. And I thought, man, I don't, I don't know. I've heard that, but I don't know that. This guy raises his hand. My roommate raises his hand and says, oh, yeah, that's a direct connection to the first miracle of Moses when Moses turned the water into blood. Hmm. Wow. Then he said, do you know why Jesus was baptized before he was tempted on the mountain? Guy raises his hand again and says, hey, well, that was a connection to the Israelites being led by Moses, walking through the Red Sea, and then Moses going up to the mountain 40 days, which parallels the life of Jesus, 40 mm. days to spend time with God. And so I look at this guy, I'm like, how does he know that? Yeah. Right? I like, like I don't right. know that stuff. A lot of people listening don't know any of those connections. Right. So I got back to the room, and I kept him up all night. Man, I'm asking him <laughs> question after question. And here's what he asked me. This question changed everything. He said, how do you share the gospel with a lost person? I said, man, that's simple. What are you talking about? I go to the Romans road. <laughs> what are you uh, talking uh, about? Everybody right. knows that. <laughs> you know, uh, there's no one righteous. No, not one. Right. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, the gift of right, you know, uh, can't remember the road. I'm I, lost. I, everybody doesn't know the Roman yeah. road, apparently. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was going to try to bail well, you out, but did you I, I, I blanked as well. You so, confess uh, your mouth. It's, <laughs> believe in your heart, Jesus raised from the dead. Three circles said. is what I've linked Three circles. Let's go three easier circles. than the Roman. Yeah, there's only three of them. That's, that's the right. big. Okay, so, but, but you know the point. So I'm, I'm, I'm like rattling these off. I'm right. a seminary student, and uh, he said, that's great. He said, that's a very Western way to do it. I said, what do you mean? I said, where do you start? He said, I start with the Bible Jesus would have started with. Oh, boy. <laughs> Genesis 1, the creation of the world. God creates everything good. Then he gets to man and he says, this is good. Yeah. And then he said, it's not good for man to be alone, so he makes a helper for him. But the man and woman fall into sin because of the temptation of the serpent. And because of that point, man is separated from God. But God doesn't leave him alone. He goes to Abraham. He makes a covenant with Abraham yeah. and says, I'm going to make you the father of all nations. Mm. And he walks through this new covenant that God now moves from writing the law on tablets with Moses mm. in the Mosaic covenant to the tablets on your heart with Jeremiah. And you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit one day. Mm. He said, that's how I lead people to Christ. He said, here's the problem with you Western Christians. He said, you don't understand the old. I mean, you don't appreciate the old. Yeah. So you're never going to understand the new. Wow. Well, I, and I got to wait. I think I can summarize that in uh, even fewer words for okay. those who are simple-minded like myself. Okay. But I'm going to do it after this break. Oh, you got a cliffhanger. Have you been looking for a way to train your church to make disciples? Our team here at Replicate, Robbie Gallaty, Candy Gallaty, Tim LaFleur, Gus Hernandez, and myself, Chris Swain, have put together a digital discipleship blueprint. We've taken our live event that thousands have attended, thousands have been impacted by, and we put it together so that you can get it and watch from the comfort of your own church and show this to your people and use it as a training tool. You will learn how to plan, formulate, and develop a disciple-making culture in your church and its ministries. You can check it out at replicate.org slash buy blueprint, B-U-Y blueprint, replicate.org slash buy blueprint. If you'd like to check out the digital discipleship blueprint. And we're back. I was talking about summarizing the, the, uh, the basically the first 11 minutes of this podcast. Okay, good. I, I, I can't wait to hear this summation for, for us. people don't understand the good news until they know why it's good news. Ooh. And it's only good news if we understand the bad news. That's, that's good. And that, I mean, that really just uh, kind of encapsulates exactly what you're talking about in terms of sharing our faith and sharing the gospel. Why is it good news? But there are there is some bad news, unfortunately. You know, yeah. and, and the reality is we need to know what that is in order to understand fully. Well, and there's what some Christ people saying, throw out the Ten Commandments, throw out the, the 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 old commandments of the law. If you don't understand the commandments right. and how we fall short of the glory of God, which sure. is the standard of righteousness and perfection, you'll never see the need for a savior. Well, and there's a way to observe the Ten Commandments and revere the Ten Commandments and and learn from them without living your life thinking, okay, I've got to walk by these laws and walk by these rigid rules. Right. And I think that's the the dichotomy. We we get trapped in the idea that, okay, if I if I think that we should have these things and talk about these things, and it doesn't mean that we're sitting around going, kids, all right, let's read the Ten Commandments. And, and if you break any of these, we got to go to confession or something, you know, right. it's understanding the grace of God in light of the law that he yeah. fulfilled. So Sinclair Ferguson, who's a great scholar from, um, across the pond. He's a, 
uh, he's written extensively on the connection between the law, Old Testament Torah, and the New Testament Christian. Uh, his best book, in my opinion, is The Whole of Christ, which is an amazing book. But here's what he says. In the past, it was referred to as the covenant of works, okay. meaning we covenant with God, and then we respond through works. But people have a hard time with that. So the better translation I like is the rule of life. The commandments mm. of the Old Testament are were the rule of life for the people oh, wow. and or kind of like guardrails. That's a much more positive spin. Right, because <laughs> like a guidebook, it's a rule book. And here's what God says. Right. If you live by the rule book, you're going to be blessed. Right. If you don't live by the rule book, you're going to experience condemnation and judgment. I mean, for example, if you cheat on your wife and have an adulterous affair, mm -hmm. you may have fun for a season, yeah. but there are going to be consequences for that, not only personally, emotionally, sexually, spiritually, right. but for your family, for your kids. You see, so there's a rule book to live by. Well, let's get to where we started. Okay, let's let's, let's do talk it. about feel. For, I could go on and on about this all day, but this is an, an interesting concept. Did Jesus say, let's get rid of the law? Okay, because people say this all the time. People, people, people erroneously say uh, the Old Testament doesn't apply to me anymore, and uh, you know, let's get rid of the law. Jesus comes out of the gate of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five, mm. verse seventeen. Okay, what does he say? Don't think I've come to abolish the law and the prophets. I didn't come to abolish. I've come to fulfill. Truly, I tell you, anyone who um, disregards our, uh, or no, what he says is, uh, truly, I tell you, uh, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or the stroke of a letter will pass away from my law until all mm. these things are accomplished. Okay, here's the misunderstanding, Chris. We have a misunderstanding of the words abolish and fulfill. Hmm. Abolish is right. No, I think it's an easy one. Right. Nullify, to cancel, to disregard, to detach from. Okay, right. that's what nullify means. I mean, that's what abolish means. But the word fulfill is the tricky one, okay? Fulfill means to fill full. That's a better understanding of right. it. Okay, to fill full. I'll give you a perfect example. When I was a kid, one of the many hobbies I got into, and I got into a lot. I've heard about some of these. Yeah, I mean, I've done. Our listeners have heard about several of these. Yeah, I mean, it was <laughs> guitar playing and magician and basketball so player. you keep saying comic. when you were a kid, but you still have a lot That's of these That's true. I still Let's have all these <laughs> comic book collection, coin collection, DJ, video game. I mean, art. And then, then my parents were like, not another one. But I came back and said, Mom, I want to be an artist. Okay, this was like another one. Andrew, you'd appreciate this. So I'm. Uh, uh, my parents sent me to art school. Okay. I can vouch for the art. I've got you a seen the art. America. You've got one here. I've got a piece here in my office. Yes. Uh, Captain somewhere, America. Somewhere. Yeah, somewhere it's, yeah he's throwing it away right Okay. No, no, anyway, he used to display it proudly, but that's thrown away. Okay. <laughs> but here's the reality. So I went there, and the, and the lady, and so I'm ready to take the paint. I'm ready for the brushes. Uh, I'm ready for the pastel coloring, Dylan. And uh, she said, put all that down. Get you, you get way ahead of yourself. She said, you can't put paint on a canvas. And watch this. Until you pencil sketch the outline. Hmm. I said, okay. So she taught us how to take these pencils, these drawing pencils, and we pencil sketch the outline on the paper. Now, if you step back, you can barely see it, but it's there. Yeah. Only after you put the pencil sketch on can you come back and fill full the color. The color fills in the outline, and then you're able to see the picture in more of a high definition picture. Okay, uh, right. a more of a, a deeper, deeper understanding. Okay, watch this. The Old Testament is the pencil sketch for the new. 
Mm. Okay. You, you have to have the pencil sketch in order to fill in the paint, which is Jesus. Jesus comes and fills in with his life all that God required in the Old Testament with the pencil sketch. But here's a better way to understand it. Fulfill doesn't just mean fill full or establish or complete. This is what, uh, this is what fill full means the best. Interpret correctly. Mm. So Jesus, now watch this. Jesus says, I didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets. I came to interpret correctly the law and the prophets. Now, how do I know this is true? Because the next six things he does is say, you've heard it said in the Old Testament, but I'm going to say to you. You've heard it said to our ancestors, but I say to you. You've heard it said, but I say. Jesus says this. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery, but I say, don't look at a woman with lust in your heart. So is he abolishing those old abolishing no, those old things. He's that he actually says interpreting he's interpreting it correctly. Correctly, That's That's and then he goes strong. on, Chris, which is pretty amazing. Then he goes on to say, if anyone breaks the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same, they'll be called least in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who teaches and does these commands, right, will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now, here's the conundrum for people who say we're not under the commandments anymore. There's no commandments to live by. They we're just free in Christ. Commission? Huh? They haven't read the Great Commission? Exactly. Well, look at you. You're on it today. You're on it. (laughs) Jesus bookends his ministry. Now we're getting fired up. With the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Interesting. Many people stop at 19, though. Jesus said... Go therefore, make Many disciples. Many people stop right there. Go therefore. Go therefore. Comma. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That next part says, <laughs> don't make converts. Don't make Christians. Easy, don't make decisions. Turbo. Easy. Okay. <laughs> make disciples. Okay. We're getting off track. But here's the reality. Teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Hmm. It doesn't say teaching them all I've commanded you. So it doesn't just say go overseas and set up seminaries and school education systems in America and teach them a bunch of knowledge, although that's part of it. What he says is teach them to obey, which is why in discipleship we say if there's no accountability, Hmm. there's no disciple making. That's right. Like if I'm not holding you accountable to obey all that Christ commanded us, you're not obeying the, the Great Commission. Now, here it is. Don't miss this. What's interesting about the Great Commission is Jesus says, teach them to obey what? All, All that, that I've commanded, I've commanded you. Hmm. Okay, so it makes us think. Did Jesus command us? Thing? I thought the commandments were done. Yeah, I thought we got away from those commandments. Uh, in my new book, Here and Now. Right. Is yeah, they, I was going to say, you address all these things. Yeah, you're probably really, saying, how are you so passionate about this topic? It just came well, out. Uh, it's, it's an awesome book, and it really covers this stuff in detail. Well, and here's the thing. If you if you throw away or detach yourself from the Old Testament, don't buy my book here and now. It'll be an absolute waste of your time. If you're under that mindset, the it Old Testament's done. It encourage you to rehitch. <laughs> it's going to encourage you to rehitch. Uh, because if we want to do discipleship the way Jesus did. Right. I mean, if you want to do another kind of stuff, you do. That's but anyway. The, that's a strategy I prefer. Yeah, I mean, that's one that worked. But uh, here's the thing you got to remember. We'll close with this. What, what happens is Jesus actually, I went and looked this up. How many commands did Jesus give in the New Testament to his followers? Okay. Mm. I put about 40 in my book, okay. uh, just 40. I just kind of condensed them and consolidated. There's really wow. 50 in the New Testament okay. by Jesus, particularly Jesus said this. Specifically Jesus Are you said. ready for this? One scholar, one one uh, theologian said he found over 300 commands of Jesus. Now, a lot of them could be categorized into Same love your command. neighbor as yourself. That He, he okay. said that multiple right. times. Uh, you know, um, command to love the Lord your God. I mean, he said that multiple times. But the reality, let's just say it's just 50. Just 50. Sure. Do we know those commands? 
Oh, easy. Now, I'm not saying, now you ready for this? I'm not saying you have to obey. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying we have to obey these commands to be a Christian. Right. What I'm saying is, as a Christian, you you lovingly want to serve and obey right. the Lord. Okay, it's kind of like the, this, and this is the misunderstanding of the Old Testament. When God set the Israelites free from the bondage of Pharaoh mm-hmm. in Egypt, He didn't set them free at Sinai to go serve themselves and say, "Hey, boys, go have fun. Now you're free." Yeah. What they did is they changed masters. They God says, I want to set my people free so they can go and worship me, Moses. Right. Okay. So what God does is he moves the the, the one who leads them. He changes their master. Hmm. So now they go from being a slave to Pharaoh as bricklayers right. to going to eat going to the promised land in order to be slaves, or as Paul and James and Peter say, bond servants of Christ mm. because now they realize watch this that they are now indebted to Christ because he set them free. God says, "I am the Lord your God, you shall go serve me." It doesn't say, "I will be the Lord your God if you go serve me." That's right. Don't miss this. Yeah, this is good. Don't miss this. He says, "I am the Lord your God. You did nothing to earn your salvation. You did nothing sure. to earn your redemption." But in response to me redeeming you, here are commandments to live by. And in living by them, it's not a duty. It's not drudgery. It's devotion. And that, my friend, is the fulfilled Christian life we've all been looking for. That is a great wrap-up to a uh, two-part podcast talking about a very critical issue. We wouldn't want to complete uh, any of our podcasts with talking about our friends uh, across the LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Yes. And this week, we want to highlight Ask Me Anything, uh, president of the Southern Baptist Convention, J.D. Greer, and his co-host, Todd Unziker. You literally ask him any question. What would we ask him this week? If I were going to ask J.D. Greer a question this week, it would be, who did you root for in the Super Bowl? Yeah. Super Bowl was recently yeah. in the recording of this podcast. I would say, JD, who did you root for? Yeah. And, uh, and I rooted then- for none of them. <laughs> Same here. I'm well, still bitter. We- the only thing, well, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of spirituality in our Super Bowl, you remember? Tom Brady, the GOAT, well, actually I've, I've played against this. the Rams. Yeah, I feel like we're taking out of context when we. Well, I feel like we're taking out of context when we go down that road. I think he's the goat. And, he is the goat. And the lambs. But not the biblical goat. The rams are the lambs. <laughs> well, the Bible has a lot to say about lambs and rams and goats being sacrificed for the saints. And yet it has nothing to say about football. Well, the New Orleans Saints. The <laughs> I'm playing. We will. Uh, we are out of time. We're, we're out of time. <laughs> I'm not bitter about the Saints loss, as you can tell. Check it out next time on the podcast. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty. If you don't mind, take a moment to subscribe and share the podcast. You can find out more about disciple making, resources related to disciple making, and our customized training on our website at replicate.org.